With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Talk Recorded live. Well, we've got uh, a special guest with us tonight, Michael Smith. And just so you know what's going on, um, you know, we had a broadcast scheduled with Michael Adams, who everybody knows that comes on these broadcasts that uh, Michael uh, has MS and sometimes it flares up and he goes through a significant amount of pain and today was one of those days and he had to opt out of tonight. He really was sorry because he was looking forward to this broadcast but um, anyway uh, those things happened. Michael Smith has graciously agreed to come on and co-host this program tonight with me. Uh, and I want to welcome Michael to the broadcast. And then also, Michael, I think I'm going to wait maybe about 10 minutes till everybody gets in before you make your announcement so everybody can hear it and now people start calling me on my landline it cracks me up every time i do this hold on one second sure uh yeah let me have you talk to rosette hold on a second please okay just a second okay that was one of my tenants (laughs) so uh wanting to make some uh here you go, was it? Um, basically, what we're going to be talking about tonight is, like I said, um, there's a passage in Isaiah that's, um, I think, kind of highlights kind of what where, where we're going to go. Um, Isaiah 5:20, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. And, um, you know, I think any of us could agree if we've even looked at little blips of the campaign between, uh, I call her Hillary, Hillary, whatever, and uh, Donald Trump, that it reminds me of two spoiled brats, really, um, allegations and counter-allegations. And, you know, and I know that it's you just have to pick the lesser of the two evil if you're involved in the process and so on. I really, uh, I don't really get involved in that anymore. That's just a personal thing. But um, in Matthew seven eleven, Christ says, "If then being evil know know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is heaven give good things to them that ask Him?" And then one other scripture that I thought was apropos for this discussion is in Romans. Of course, we know in the 13th chapter, there's a lot of misapplication of this chapter for as to how we're to apply it with the rulers and government and so on. And I've often found it real interesting because they like to take the one passage and 
in uh, 13, 3, and 4, he is a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenge to execute wrath upon them that do evil. And, you know, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. So anyway, um, but basically what we're living in a, in a culture, in a society, it's been on my mind a lot lately, where, you know, you have, uh, a lot of just open perversion, and it seems as though the more perverse things get, the more the perversion is reinforced by the mainstream of society, which I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Um, Brother Michael, why don't you kind of give us your thoughts about this topic, and and kind of uh, uh, we'll kind of get into discussion about this. Well, first, uh, thank you for uh, having me on, brother, and uh, yeah. it's uh, good to uh, talk to you again, uh, although we got to talk quite a bit earlier <laughs> today, but uh, it's always good to talk with you and uh, good to be on the program, and uh apologize that I don't get to be on y'all's fellowship calls a little more often. Uh, my work hinders me from doing a lot of that, and but it's good to be with you tonight. Um, I, I really, uh, the the topic that you have picked for tonight I don't think could be any uh any more suitable for what what we're living in today uh, just as you said uh I think that uh what we're seeing in our election cycle here in our country uh is just one of the very uh um, one of the biggest things that we see uh that this verse is talking about of course, all over the place, we're seeing we're seeing that verse lived out uh, every day. But uh, I do think that uh, here in the United States, we do see that, uh, and it seems to be, at least as far back as I can remember. Uh, I'm 44 years old, and as far back as I can remember, I don't. I know that there's always been corruption in politics. I know there's always been uh, depravity and evil doing going on but it just seems that it doesn't seem to be as open and prevalent as it seems to be today and uh, it does it does seem like we are living in a time where the lord has given people more over to uh the shameful things of of evil where they they are seared in their conscience and and uh but there there is no there really is no uh i guess i i guess moral talk uh anymore you know i remember back when i was a younger man you know there was a lot of things that people wouldn't talk about openly and uh today it don't there ain't no nothing hidden from yeah. anybody yeah, yeah that's I, the... I think i you know i think about um uh i think about uh in philippians three nineteen, uh where it says uh, those who are the enemies of the cross it says whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, uh, who mind earthly things. And uh, that seems to be kind of the prevailing uh, thought of the day. You know, everyone is concerned about just what they want and what suits them and for their betterment, uh, you know, whose God is their belly. Basically, is saying that, you know, they're self-absorbed, uh, only thinking about themselves. And they glory in the things that they should be shameful about. 
Well, you know, I I agree with everything you just said, and I I uh, I think that you know for believers there's a total different uh, there's a total different perspective on this subject because you know <laughs> we realize our condition like you said the depravity of man we realize that we were all one universal concept is the fact that we were all born and conceived in sin and the only um, the only person that without sin is Jesus Christ and um, I mean even for those of us who have been quickened by the Holy Spirit and given life uh, Paul says I find the law that when I do good evil is present with me so we are still even as believers we are still in this warfare Um, but the interesting thing is when you look at the and we talked about this earlier a little bit, uh, Brother Michael, but we look at these definitions of good and evil, you know, like you said, uh, evil is total depravity, it's uh, uh, void of any moral (laughs) behavior, totally degeneration, reprobation, vile, corrupt, you know, whereas good is, you know, really moral perfection. And, you know, I think all the people on this broadcast and the ones that will hear this broadcast know that I've said this before. I was brought up in a in a home where I was taught that you know that a man could could uh, progressively become actually um, reach moral perfection, you know, and um, and also there was a definite second work of grace. That was taught where you you know after you are after you come to a saving knowledge of Christ, you seek you die out to the old man and all of that, but the reality of it is is Christ is the only one who has total perfection, and he was without sin, and so that we get into this this uh, discussion regarding substitution and his mediatorship and his advocacy and, and that he paid a ransom for us. Um, Michael, you want to touch on that a little bit? Well, sure. Uh, I'm sure everyone that may be listening, uh, third child of grace, they've experienced exactly what Paul, uh, what Paul goes through. And, uh, you know, to ever say, you know, I'm without sin. I know there are some that say that they're without sin. Uh, matter of fact, some of these modern day uh, faith healers and things like that, a lot of them, you know, claim to be without sin, but they've arrived to some, you know, level of sanctification where they are no longer sinners. Uh, but uh, the fact remains, as long as we're in this flesh, uh, the inward man or the spiritual man will will uh, battle against that uh, outward man or that carnal man. That uh, uh, that is of the flesh, and just as you read there, Paul uh, he experienced that, and you know that's not pre-salvation Paul talking. That was Paul uh, after the road to Damascus. That was Paul later on down in life, uh, writing those things, and he struggled with uh, with with the flesh, and uh, that's an ongoing. 
that's an ongoing thing. And and so to say, you know, the Christians are to, uh, uh, you know, are, are exempt from that, and uh, that there is no admonishing uh, that should be done towards us who who are believers. You know that you know that's just kind of uh, not true. We we still still need to hear those things. We need to hear uh, the gospel that tells about what Christ did for us. As a matter of fact, I love, and you, you've heard me say this before, Larry, but you know I love the fact that uh, that portion there in chapter seven that flows right into eight. You know, you remove all those chapters and verse markers out and just read that as the letter that Paul wrote it you see that on the very cusp of that very battle between the flesh and the spirit, you know, he resided in himself. He said, you know, you know, I, I, with my mind, I'm going to serve the law of God, and with my flesh, I'm going to serve the law of sin. But there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus, just as if he was conveying, hey, uh, 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 Romans, Roman believers, there is a... Uh, there's a, a battle that you're going to experience, and that battle is going to sometimes bring doubt to your mind, and you're going to sometimes look like you shouldn't look, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and that's good news. Oh, that's really true, and you know, as you were talking about that, I think also, I think that uh, there's, <clears throat> you know, another aspect of this as it relates to our eternal uh, election, I find it very interesting when we start talking about unconditional election. You know, I'm so glad that our election and our salvation and our justification and our repentance and our sanctification and our ultimate glorification uh, doesn't depend upon our good or evil works. Okay. In fact, yeah. we see that in Romans 9:11, where it says, "The children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of Him that calleth." And so, I think the great thing is when we realize that we have been chosen. And this brother Michael was talking about this today in his message. When we realize that we have um, been e we have been always, um, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. In other words, before creation, that all that the Father has given him will come to him, and all that come to him he will in no wise cast out. And John 6.29 says that this is the work of God, that you believe on him. In other words, believing on him is not a condition of our salvation, it's a result of our election, and uh, I think that that really, you know, because this whole good and evil conversation, I mean, if we go back to Genesis, you know, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh, we know that the the beast, more subtle than any beast that God created, was placed in the Garden of Eden, and we know that that serpent beguiled Eve, and so on. And so this condition of evil, um, you know, um, um, immorality, depravity versus morality, um, you know, Luke 6.45, Christ says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. 
for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh and so one of the things i think that it's important for us i mean we know that we are to we are exhorted throughout scripture uh to cleave to that which is good okay i mean john uh third john 111 he says beloved follow not that which is evil but that which is good he that dwelleth he that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Well, you know, <laughs> now that seems a little in contradistinction to what we said earlier about this battle, but what we realize is that if we know that there's only one good, and that is Christ, our faith is in, the, our, we have the faith of Christ. We don't have the faith of our own works. We have the faith of the completed work of Christ. Uh, Michael, go ahead and expand on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we look at that and we see that it's not according to what we do in the flesh. Matter of fact, I just was looking there in Romans where we were talking about in Romans uh, 7 and 8, just down into Romans 8, 5, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Uh, and then uh, it goes on and says uh, those who uh, then the, that are in the flesh they cannot please God but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his and it's just like what you were talking there I mean does the child of grace still sin absolutely Paul just made that clear in in chapter 7 but then right after that, he says, those who are born again, those who are of God, uh, has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, uh, they're not walking in the flesh, even though these sins are there, even though those uh, failures come, uh, they're in the Spirit. And the things that they work uh, are, I, I've always said this at our church, that this, <clears throat> the sin of the elect and the sin of the reprobate are different. Uh, now, yes, they are sins, but did I lose you, brother? Can you still hear me? I lost you, I think. Um, let me check here. If you can hear me, just keep on talking, Michael. Um, I've lost your signal. I'm going to check my signal to see if we're still being recorded here. Um, ...of the wicked. Uh, but for the child of grace, he has continued to purpose their sin even after their uh, conversion. He has purposed their sins so that he might teach them their dependency uh, and their need for Christ. And it keeps their mind on him. It keeps them looking to the gospel. It keeps them uh, trusting in Christ. That's a preserving way. So whenever Paul's seen that struggle, that battle of the sin, uh, that, that flared up in him the righteousness that he wanted to do. And it kept him continually looking. There's no condemnation to Christ. That's where our hope, you know, our hope, one of the things that uh, we're given in the new birth 
is a hope. We're given faith. We're given these things that, that preserve us. And none of that comes by looking at the external things. We don't look at our works. Uh, we don't look at how much we obey or how much we don't obey or how much we've done or, or not done. We, we, we look at what Christ did. And like you said, that person that, uh, that has been born again, uh, they're looking to what Christ did uh, and not what they do. I don't know if that answered your question or not, brother, but are you there? Can you hear me now? Are you there, brother? Ah, I thought I lost you. Can you hear me? Brother Larry? Well, I could hear you for a second, but now I don't hear anything. Can you hear me now? Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, we were having a little signal problem for about three minutes there, and you really, I was, I could hear everything you said. Can you hear me now okay? Yes, I can. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, you're coming through. You came through the whole time, so... Anyway, it was me that was having some problems from this end. You know, that's part of the problem living at the end of the world, Brother Michael. You know, so (laughs) anyway, um, I want to welcome Michael uh, Adams just joined us, and he wanted me to give you the message that he really thanks you for coming on and sharing tonight. So I'm I'm passing that along to you from Michael. You're welcome, brother. You're welcome, brother. And if you're still listening, uh, we're praying that the uh, the Lord will be with you and give you grace during these times. Oh, he he is. He's he's listening in. He said he was going to join us and listen in tonight, so he can listen in. He's just not up to really participating. But uh, yeah, just carrying on now. I uh, I think that the other thing that I find real interesting is that um, this whole thing about the fact that Christ portrayed that his ministry down here was to do good. Uh, I, I was looking at this earlier in John 10:33. The Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. <laughs> you know. And so this is interesting because we know that Christ did a lot of good works, you know. I mean, he did a lot of miracles. He, um, you know, he he healed a lot of people, and he also fed a lot of people, and so on. They didn't they didn't mind the good works he did. What they didn't like is the fact that he was proclaiming that he was the way, the truth, and the life. That no, you know, yeah. that he was proclaiming that he was, you know, one of the things you pointed out this morning, which you know, I I really. Uh, concur is that I've heard a lot of people say, you know, on you know all kind of form, forums and format formats, especially those that have gone through liberal uh, institutions. They'll say all the time, "Well, Jesus never proclaimed that he was God," but you're absolutely right. He did over and over and over proclaimed who he was. He said, you know. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and a lot of proclamations about who he, that he was the Son of God and so on. And that's where the rub 
really got to the Pharisees because they could not stand the fact that he was proclaiming himself to be God. You know, you you yes. want to respond to that one? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's just like some of the verses that we were looking at earlier this morning uh, at the at the meeting. Uh, we uh, we see that that was exactly what uh, uh, caused the rub within. Uh, they uh, they hated uh, the fact that he uh, he said those very things. And matter of fact, most of his disciples, you know, uh, didn't care for those either. And they all, you know, a lot of them went away and uh, wouldn't uh, walk no more with him. But uh, in John chapter five, uh, when Jesus said, "My Father worked." Either two and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but he, uh, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Mm. So, like I said this morning, you know, their understanding at least that phrase, "My Father worketh hither two and I work," to them that meant he was God. He was saying he was God, yeah. and uh, that's how they took it. And why? Why? Like you said, the liberal theologians and, and you know, or anybody else, why they would take the ground that Jesus never uh, said that he was God is just crazy. Because especially in the in the book of John, you go through the book of John, you'll find where he claimed to be God many times. That's a good point. I mean, it is. I mean, and of course, you alluded to the sixth chapter of John this morning, and you can see the same thing. You know, he says, I am he called himself the shepherd of the sheep and he also talks about his him and his father being one you know there's also this aspect of preservation for God's elect and um you know there's a lot of people that don't understand that when when the word of God says that he will preserve us from all evil he's talking about the reality that um, we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. Look at, let's look at Psalm 121.7 here. And here the psalm says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Now, to me, that brings great comfort to me because I, like Brother Michael said earlier, we're, we're in a battle. And we, at times... Uh, get in the flesh, we sometimes succumb to the tempter. And then we uh, find that we are returning to the bishop of our soul. And repentance, by the way, is a gift from God. It has nothing to do with us. But anyway, when we when we do, uh, you know, Scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But, you know, I mean, the work is already finished, you know. And when we talk about sin, you know, our past, our present, our future sins have already been taken care of. And so when we talk about preservation, uh, why don't you uh, touch on that a little bit and imputed righteousness, uh, Brother Michael? Uh, well, Brother, I just uh, was just looking there uh, as you were reading that verse uh, in uh, Psalms, uh, it keeps us from all evil. Um, in uh, Psalm 41, verse 2, uh, Scripture says, uh, The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive 
Mm. He shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. Mm. Um, we, our preservation, you know, we, I think we talked about it a little bit uh, today, or maybe it was in one of our other conversations that me and we had, but, uh, you know, there's this belief out there. Uh, that people are going to preserve themselves by, you know, hanging in there, hanging on. <laughs> right. And, uh, and that, uh, you know, there's this mindset about, uh, you know, that in the last days all this stuff is going to take place and uh, that, uh, you know, the dispensationalists and the uh, premillennialists and all that are uh, talking about, you know, this seven-year tribulation and a rapture and all this kind of stuff and that during this time period there are going to be people that are, going to be saved and they're going to be clinging and holding on and uh, you know persecution is going to come but they have to hang in there if not then they're going to be considered a part of the beast and I mean just all this kind of stuff I think that our preservation isn't uh, or doesn't have anything to do with what we do Mm -hmm. Uh, our preservation or our perseverance is a passive thing uh, we per, uh, we persevere because we are preserved. Uh, he preserves us. Uh, the scripture says, uh, "Faithful is he who uh, who calls you, for he will do it." Uh, it's all about him. He's the one who works in you to will and do his good pleasure. Uh, he has ordained all the works that we should walk in them. Uh, all these things are things that God does in us. And that continues to keep us uh, persevering in the faith, preserved in Christ Jesus. Uh, We're preserved in Christ Jesus. We're not preserved in our works. We're preserved in Christ Jesus and his works and what he does. And so whenever we look at these verses like in Psalms, it talks about that he won't deliver them unto the will of his enemies. That doesn't mean that we're never going to be persecuted, but that means that we're never going to fall prey to what they want. You know, if, right. if Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump becomes the president and, and they begin to turn on the Christians and they start telling us, you know, you're going to have to do this, or you're going to have to do that, and it's going to be something contrary to the word of God, uh, ultimately he's going to cause us to stand. We'll stand in that day. Uh, he'll keep us from falling away. He'll keep us during those times. We've seen that all throughout history. Uh, you know, the blood of uh, God's people has been shed throughout all of history. Uh, and, uh, you know, I pray that he make me faithful during those times, uh, you know, whenever they come, uh, if they come in my lifetime. But, uh, you know, you look at uh, a lot of these uh, martyrs, uh, and I'd recommend if anybody's never uh, read the book, uh, The Martyr's Mirror, to go read The Martyr's Mirror. Uh, you'll see uh, many of the Lord's people that uh, suffered uh, and in their suffering, you know, the Lord preserved them and kept them from, uh, you know, denying the faith, kept them from denying the Lord. Uh, and there's no way that you can do that by human efforts, I can tell you. Uh, the Bible says that many men might die for a good man, but, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, brother, I, I know myself, in, in the flesh at least, and, uh, you know, I might go out and die from one of my kids to go out in front of a car or something for my <laughs> kid. But for somebody that I don't know, that I don't like, man, I can't say that I necessarily would do that. I don't know. I'd hope I would, but, you know, uh, to help help them or something. But, you know, 
I don't know that, but I know one thing: if uh, if the Lord uh, is is uh, promised that He will keep us from falling, uh, you know, I, I trust in that. And, well, yeah, and that, and I, that, I I I think that you're. Might be another, that might be another thing to even consider for a discussion, but but uh, you know, that's the thing. That's that's where our hope and our faith lies is not only just in the fact that Jesus legally saved us, which he did, uh, the work that he did uh, on the cross, the blood and, 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 and justification and all these things were legal works that legally and positionally uh, we were saved, but also experientially, practically, uh, Christ is saving us. Christ is keeping us. Christ is preserving us in a practical or experiential way as well. It's not just in the legal side that, oh, yeah, well, you know, my name's written in heaven and, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, my, my sin is no more before God. And he remembers him no more. But even now, he's also doing the work now, and he's promised to do that work. You know, like we just said, he, he works in us to will and do his good pleasure. But he is faithful who called you. He will do it. Uh, he will keep you from falling. That's what the scripture is saying. I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, over in uh, one of Peter's epistles, he'll keep us from falling. Well, if he's promised that, you know, the faith that we've been given in Christ Jesus looks to that just as much as it does that he chose and redeemed us and justified us. Amen. You know, That's exactly I'm right. Tr- yeah. I'm trusting that Christ is doing all things in my life to do his good will so that I complete every good work that he's preordained before the foundation of the world that I should walk in. Amen. And so in it, fact there's it, a it, it, there's a passage that really just mirrors what you're saying in Second Corinthians nine eight. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. <laughs> That's what, there you go. You know, and so every, you're, uh, yeah, work. yeah, not just part of them, or maybe some of them, but abound to every good work. Now, do we trust that He's doing that in us? Well, I do, and so that's why you know I'm not worried about. It. I, I have a lot of discussions with guys online and stuff, and we talk about sanctification, and we kind of have different views of sanctification. They think sanctification is something that we're left to do. Uh, that we we're the ones who have to uh, uh, make the appropriation of the means that God gives us so that we are sanctified. But uh, you know, from what I understand of Scripture and seeing Scripture, our sanctification is in Christ Jesus just as well as our justification is. And uh, so I, you know, I'm I'm trusting that I am being sanctified, but it's not because of my hard work or effort. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, can you still hear me, Michael? I sure can, brother. Okay, I always like to do a sound check every once in a while, make sure everything's coming through. You're coming through fine. You know, I was thinking about this subject about good and evil again, and, um, you know, there's a lot of people that, and I know that you and I have discussed this at length, but for those of us who are proclaiming God's grace and the doctrines of grace and so on, there's a lot of allegations that come against us for being, you know, uh, that we're antinomian, lawless, and 
that we are uh, a hard shell and, oh, you know, uh, fatalist and all kind of charges. But the interesting thing about this uh, good and evil thing is, you know, the Christ, when he uh, manifested himself in time and and he went to the cross and he, we go back often to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, meaning his the ones he died for, um, us all. And, you know, there's a big controversy right now. I'd say 99% of Christendom uh, holds to a different gospel. They hold to the doctrine of um, the potential of salvation of Christ, making it possible for all men to be saved. And we know that uh, Scripture teaches that he came to save his people from their sins. And when we talk about this, there's a lot of people that that don't understand that the package deal, and I, I hate to say it like that, but it's the only way I can articulate what I'm... When he says that he's chosen us in him from the foundation of the world to be conformed to the image of his Son, you know, that's why Paul can say, shall we sin so that grace will abound? God forbid. In other words, we're not proclaiming that uh, you know, that men should go out and sin because they're a recipient of God's grace. What we're proclaiming is that man's heart has has been changed. Now, behold, all things have become new. And we don't, we as Christians want to, to, to please God. We, the, the, in other words, sin no longer has dominion over us. In other words, uh, why don't you, uh, you know, address that a little bit for us? Yes, uh, yeah, and, and I want to, I want to say, you know, this couple of the statements that I've made already earlier, especially, you know, in regards to how we view the relation of sin to the believer versus the relation of sin to the reprobate, and uh, you know, the, the having the mindset like Paul of just resigning ourselves to know that our flesh is going to is going to serve the law of sin, but our mind will serve the law of God. When I say that, that like you said, that is in no way uh, condoning just lawless behavior. Just well, right. go out and do whatever you want, uh, sin that grace might abound or anything like that. Uh, matter of fact, I know especially as Baptists we get a lot of flack from uh, non-Baptists uh, because of our view of uh, uh, eternal security. Um or preservation uh, that you know they say well you guys just preach that you can live any way you want and you know it's all right you know even growing up in Southern Baptist Church before I come to the doctrines of grace I never anybody ever preach that way I mean ever I, I've not ever heard anybody ever preach that <laughs> right uh, just go the way you want uh, even among uh, the, the the so-called false churches and 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 so I, I would never, I would never, you know, consider that even a, as a valid argument. Someone's doing that, they're just, you know, that's a that's a false statement to begin with. But 
No, we, we don't say just live. It doesn't matter how one lives. Man, the New Testament is full of admonitions to the child of grace to tell them of who, who they are in Christ Jesus, what their life should be like uh, as one who is uh, born again. And we take those admonitions and we see that and we measure ourselves by that to see uh, how we are. Not that we might go out there and buy our own boot, pull our, pulling ourselves by our, our own bootstraps, get in there and start working harder for Jesus. Uh, no, we see that to know so that we might pray that God give us grace and that he might restrain those that evil or that he might restrain that sin, that he might remove those temptations you know, whenever Jesus uh, taught us how to pray, he said he taught us, you know, to pray to the Father and lead us not into temptation. Well, if we're to pray to the Father to not lead us into temptation, then does that mean that he leads us into temptation? <laughs> uh, I know that there's an argument about that, but, uh, you know, uh, he's the one who can restrain that temptation, definitely. Uh, and uh, so we pray those things. But yeah, we don't we don't desire we desire in the inward man holiness and righteousness. We desire to be obedient to God. We desire those things that are righteous. We like to think on those things that are that are uh, truthful, that are pure, that are holy, and uh, that's what we desire to do, and that's what we long to do. As a matter of fact, I, I really hadn't met too many uh, people who profess Jesus Christ and who you know show forth some signs that they might be born again. Uh, you know, I really haven't seen any too many of them that really uh, live in such a way that they say, well, I'm just going to live it up however I want to live. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of professing Christians out there that say that, but the ones that really exhibit a love for the true gospel, the love for the brethren, and, and uh, you just don't see that too often, uh, that they just, are concerned are not concerned with the way that they're living. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think that is so true, and I agree wholeheartedly with your statement. And and I've often had to remind certain people that you know, like like you said, that Paul Paul's uh, teachings are not only full of very very strong doctrine, but they're also full of practical daily living instruction. I mean, you you alluded to Philippians Philippians four eight, finally brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and that by the way is one of the definitions of good, <laughs> if there be any praise, think on these things. And so you know, another uh, scripture says that, you know, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be wholly acceptable in thy sight. And uh, also we're told that, um, you know, that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. But we know that we could do none of these things, Absolutely. okay, apart from grace. That is evidence that grace has worked in us, okay? And um, so anyway, well, brother, I really enjoyed this uh, broadcast. Now, I wanted to have, and this is going to be also uh, placed on Sermon Audio, and um, 
Brother Michael and I have talked, and uh, uh, we're uh, just going to let the word out. We're kind of plant tentatively planning a New Year's fellowship celebration uh, of Christ. And uh, Michael, why don't you kind of go into kind of your thoughts about this a, a little bit and share with the, the people what uh, what we would like to see happen. Sure. Yeah, we, we'd like to uh, like to have a time of fellowship, especially to a lot of the folks that listen in on this program uh, and uh, call in and uh, some of the discussion uh, group people. Uh, we would like to uh, extend an invitation to uh, come and maybe have a time of uh, personal fellowship. I was telling Larry this morning, uh, you know, it, it's great that we have the Internet. The Internet's bad in a lot of ways, but it's also a blessing that the Lord has given us uh, to be able to uh, connect with people uh, of like faith. And, uh, of course, uh, it, you know, it's nice to be able to talk to people over the phone and over the Internet, but you, you just really it, you can't beat face-to-face fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, But we'd like to extend an invitation to uh, folks who would like to maybe get together on uh, New Year's Eve uh, to uh, come and uh, to join us in the fellowship together. Uh, we'll uh, be glad to uh, uh, use our meeting house uh, here in Joplin uh, as a place where we can all gather. Uh, it's not going to be a, a rigid, formal, like a Bible conference type thing where we'll have some kind of a structure. It'll basically be just time of guys getting together and uh, men and women, children uh, getting together and uh, just fellowshipping in the Lord, uh, talking about the Lord, talking about the gospel, uh, visiting with each other, getting to know each other. Uh, we'll have some time of eating. Uh, we haven't got all the things planned out, but it's, it'll be just an informal time together. And as the Lord, uh, you know, if the Lord lays it upon any of the men who will be there uh, to maybe bring a message of, of some kind here or there as we go through the day, then that'll be uh, great as well. Uh, but, yeah, we just want to extend that and let everybody know if anybody's interested in that. Uh, you can uh, contact me or Larry. Uh, you can contact, maybe email me. Uh, at uh, Pastor Michael, and that is uh, P-A-S-T-O-R-M-I-K-A-L, Pastor Michael, at gmail.com. And uh, that's kind of where I get all my email for uh, things related to to the church. Uh, Email me there, or uh, I think Larry's got all all his email information on his sermon audio site. Uh, Get in contact with him, and as we get closer, we'll kind of have a little more details, but uh, we just wanted to go ahead and early on reach out and let everybody know that uh, you're welcome to come fellowship with us. And uh, if you believe these truths and uh, love these truths and uh, would like to be uh, a part of a fellowship with those who also hold to those things, then uh, uh, you're welcome to come. And, and I uh, just got a uh, response from Michael Smith, and he wants you to know that he is seriously thinking about uh, the New Year's time since you brought it up. And so, and I know... Me, that, Michael Smith, or another Michael Smith? I'm sorry, Michael uh, Adams. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I, I misspoke. Michael Adams, yes. And, um, and you know, I know that Walt has at one time, you know, expressed an interest in liking to come out here. And and I know Chris uh, Dornan... Uh, has expressed an interest. So, are we going to let people from California come? 
I think we will. I think we'll open that door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also, you know, Chris, uh, I would encourage you to also uh, talk to Kevin McHugh, and he may um, he may want to come up with you. I know you're good brothers, and you're pretty close, and and um, I would I would open the door to uh, Michael Donahue and his wife if they were interested, as well as all of those who listen are welcome. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, um, I will say is that. Um, there's a number of people that listen and and have expressed an interest in fellowship um, because they're frustrated because they don't have any place to go. And so we're going to take away uh, that frustration at least once a year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe we can, you know, as things develop, we you never know where it could lead. So, and, and if anyone that is listening that they ha- need, a uh, you know, some... Uh, gas assistance or maybe they need some help with a room or something like that I'll be happy to uh, help in any way I can assist there's lots of really nice places in Joplin Missouri there's nice places in Rogers Arkansas there's nice places around uh, Neosho Missouri so all around us and you got a beautiful area um, I'm not sure if it would meet the expectations of Bend, Oregon, or not. But it's uh, we've got some beautiful, you know. We we call them mountains. I know, I know, Walt. You call them foothills, but anyway, uh, hey, brother Larry, we we call it a different kind of beautiful around here. There we go. There we go. That's right. So anyway, um, again, email Michael. Email myself. I will. I will send out. Uh, to all of my email, uh, the people that listen to this broadcast, I'll send out your email um, contact, Michael, so they will have that. And uh, so anyway, um, everybody that has been on the chat uh, tonight, they uh, they really have expressed a thank you um, for sharing. And so we're going to go ahead and conclude this call. Um, and uh, again, probably next Sunday night, maybe we can tentatively plan another broadcast with Michael Adams if he's if he's uh, if he's a little better in the weather and so on. Michael uh, Smith, I want to thank you again for sharing your time. I know you got a lot going on, and I want to request a prayer for Lori. Michael's uh, wife, she's having a lot of problems with a kidney stone, and and she needs our prayer because she is really, um, she's really in some pain, and so let's let's keep her in our prayers as well. Thank you, brother. It's been good to be with you tonight. All right. Well, you guys, and you have a blessed week, Michael, and our blessings go out to to everyone that's joined us tonight, and we'll conclude this. Talk to you later. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.